Well, this evening, um, we are going to be reporting and reflecting on an incredible experience from just a couple weeks ago. The reason we delayed it one weekend is because half of us flew, half of us drove, the real strong-hearted, sturdy folks drove, and also because we wanted to make sure that everybody was back and able to hear about the good things that God did in Tijuana, Baja, California. So three and a half years ago, almost three and a half years ago, Marcos Quinones, who is Carla Kemper's brother, Carlos Quinones's brother, of course, Carlos and Carla are not here this evening. They're still in Tijuana because Marcos, the man of whom I speak, just got married. We can give him a clap that he can hear in Mexico. He just got married, and he is just crazy enough to think it was a good idea to have 16 Texans come and be with him the week before his wedding. But I digress. Marcos, three and a half years ago, was on his way through Dallas en route to Tijuana. He was a part of a church in El Paso for many years called Vino Nuevo. And he was on staff with a man named Esteban Grossman. The two of these men had it in their hearts to begin a new work of God in Tijuana. And they went halfway across the country to that large border town just on the other side of San Diego, which is kind of beautiful because they came from another border town in El Paso and Juarez where they had a history of serving on both sides of La Frontera, the border. They went halfway across the country to begin Iglesia Ancla, Anchor Church, which are the fancy shirts we're wearing tonight. And what God had done was not just give them a vision, but he gave them a people and a passion and a purpose to see incredible things in such a short time. On his way to Tijuana, our church actually sent him with a small gift to help them get things going. And what God did was multiply ours and many others' gifts to where in three short years, two weeks ago they celebrated their third anniversary as a church, three years ago to today, Ankla now has four campuses, three in Tijuana and one in Chula Vista, just south of San Diego, so four campuses in two countries with a team of pastors that doesn't do the video screen kind of thing. They're campus pastors and they rotate around. And what has happened in three years is 1,500 people have become a part of this young church. Yes. So about a year and a half ago, Marcos reached out and he said, hey, what do you think about the neighborhood church sending some folks to Ankla to partner with us in what we got going on? And y'all need to know this. I'm a pastor in this church. I should say some full disclosure. I'm the stir fry guy that will just be like, yes, 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 let's do this. And I'm ready to cook and go, right? But Cooler heads prevailed, which is why I'm co-pastoring with Bud and Kathy, who are more on the crockpot speed of things. And they kind of say, that would be pretty good, but let's let this thing percolate like your grandma's Sunday roast or whatever. And so we did, and we asked Marcos, that sounds so awesome, but let's ask you why. 
Why our little church in Garland, Texas, to go to this church that God has just seemed to be exploding with the right people in the right place at the right time? Why? And he said, so we don't feel so alone. Now, when we look at these kinds of places that are exploding, we say, whoa, whoa, awesome. And what's happened is a lot of churches and pastors in Mexico, they come from all over to look at the secret sauce of Ancla to try to replicate some kind of exponential growth in their own communities. So there are some Mexican brothers and sisters that go to try to distill the magic sauce and bring it back. But he said not one church from America has accepted the invitation to come. And he said, why? Because we want to share the amazing things that God's doing And we want to learn and perhaps even bless and teach ourselves through connection. So in a word, it's connection. And when we asked ourselves, why? Why should we go halfway across the country? That word was still connection. Not just to our brothers and sisters across the border, but to the people who are in need that sometimes we have to go out of our comfort zone and halfway across our country to open our eyes to the same kinds of people that we see in our own neighborhood. Because we have a closed closet in which we welcome a good many people with family just like the ones we saw deported and homeless and poor and broken in Mexico. We see them every week. We see them in our neighbors who come from this place We've seen them in our own attempts to try to cross cultural and linguistic divides. But why? Connection. And so what we see in Ankla is this beautiful mix of a church that does everything with excellence and looks about as slick and awesome as some of our Dallas megachurches with the lights and the music and the swag. Hello? And the hashtag this and the Instagram that. And those things aren't wrong. We may do things simply here, but I want to tell you, those things aren't wrong. And I believe that they can be leveraged to amass a good amount of people. We have a lot of those kinds of churches in Dallas. We also have a lot of kind of churches in Dallas where our homeless brothers and sisters are that are really all about going to the least and the broken and the poor and those and the margins of society. We usually don't see the two of those inhabiting the same community, but Ankla does. I have never seen a church that is so unabashedly and beautifully and I believe rightly attractional on a Sunday, but is not waiting for people to come to them. They go out into the people. And so this is why to see the connection between our brothers and sisters across the border, but also to see a connection to how we then can be like them, to be sent, just as we talk about every week here, into these spaces and places with these same people. And so it's about connection. And so tonight, um, I'm going to stop talking, and we're going to hear from a handful of others that are going to hit some of the many stories, they're going to hit a few of them, that speak to the kinds of work we did. So when I'm done, and they're going to come up, we're going to have lots of pictures on the screen here and there. If it's hard to see the resolution here, they won't be offended if you turn your head to that TV because it's a sharper picture there. And you're going to see us on the beach Because one of the days we spent a lot of the time there with 60 or 70 orphans from three different homes on the beach that are there and we were a part of just loving and blessing them. You're going to see a soup kitchen that fed 1,500 people. 
Last Monday night, we fed about 450 at Austin Street, and we thought that was wild. It was pretty wild there. You're going to hear about that. But there's also going to be pictures that are not up there. And that's because for the first time in many of our lives, we went to places where they said, hey, don't take your phones and wallets, please. And I said, whoa, okay. And we left our phones and wallets because there are people that are on the brink and there are people that are desperate. And this people that we were encountering might try to do desperate things. But I will say this before I invite them to come up. Even though you won't see the pictures, know that we felt the presence of God in those places. And we should have been a lot more scared than we were. Toby and I were laughing just the other day about how we were told, don't bring your phone, don't bring your wallet, and we'll be gone for four hours. Because, by the way, this won't even scratch the surface of some long, long days we had. And I was laughing with Toby because I said, we should have been like, like just really like trying to get our game face on. And instead, we're playing 20 questions and, lo- and just laughing it up in the van. Just Why? Because here's why. Because everything we did was bathed in prayer. It was bathed in prayer from you guys. It was bathed in prayer in everything we did. And that was another connecting point you're going to hear about too. You're going to see pictures of sorting clothes. We prayed when we sorted clothes. And so without further ado, as you see some of these pictures, let's not just look at it, let's hear some of the stories that God had in these next few moments. So let's welcome Lynette, and y'all can clap. Okay, hey. Um, It's kind of weird being up here because I'm not Adam. Anyway, I'm going to talk to you about us serving at the hospital Um, So how we started it was um, we prepped the food at our house. We had like a working space in the garage where we did all of our factory work is what they called it. And we made sandwiches with just mayonnaise, ham, and cheese. And we just made, what, 150 of those. And we just did it assembly line style. And we prepped that and juice and donuts and stuff to just hand out when we got there. Um, So kind of to give you a visual, since I don't think we got a lot of pictures of it, The hospitals in Tijuana do not work the same way they do here. So uh, basically, only the patient and maybe one or two visitors are allowed to just that, like just visit. So um, they're not allowed to stay in or they don't have a doctor coming out and telling people what's going on. Uh, So the families basically set uh, set up camp along the outside of the hospital. So there are people lined all around the hospital, just, I mean, pillows, blankets, chairs, just to keep comfortable while they're waiting, because they don't know how long they're waiting. It's not, like I said, a doctor comes out and said, oh, hey, this is how it's going. They just wait and pray and hope for the best. Um, So, sorry, I'm trying to follow my notes. Um, Sometimes they have no idea how long they're going to have to wait. So some of these people could be here days or weeks or months, and they have no idea what's going on. So all the people that we talked to and served with were in desperate need of prayer or some reassurance that, it's going to be okay and that God has a hand in there. Um, so what we did is we got there and we set up our table. And a few of us, including some of the kids, stayed and um, handed out donuts and sandwiches. And people immediately flocked the table because some of these people don't have money to just go out to these street vendors and pay for food. Um, and you don't know how long they've been there. And then the other big chunk of us split it into little groups with people from Iglesia Ancla who spoke Spanish. And they went around and talked to the people and prayed for them. And it was 
amazing to see from when we got there to when we left how the faces of these people have changed uh, from completely desperate to having a little spark of hope for whoever they have inside. Um, so it was really, I guess for me personally, at one point, a woman walked up to our group and asked for prayer. I had no idea what she needed prayer for because I couldn't hear what she said. So they asked me to pray for her, which is out of my comfort zone. Um, and so I prayed for her, and it was a, like immediately a flame lit up. And she gave me a big hug, and they told me that she said that my prayer would last her for the rest of the week, for however long she was there. And it just kind of melted my heart to know that just one little prayer or one little thought can do that for these people who wait for nothing sometimes. Um, so my big takeaways from this was something like Adam kind of mentioned is like the power of prayer is so real. Um, sometimes that's all you can do. You can't go inside and get an update and come back and tell these people like, oh, hey, your brother's doing fine or whatever. You know, you just have to pray for them and that's all you, that's all you can do. And sometimes that's all they need. Um, it made me thankful for our hospitals here, like where you can actually go in and stay with your family member and see their progress and stuff. Um, so that was a huge thing. Uh, God showed me that personally pushing me outside of my comfort zone takes that comfort and puts into someone else. And that was a huge thing for me and something that I'm working to get over. So the trip was good for that. Um, he also showed me that in a place that is so heavy with the hearts of these people uh, can still like have him there. He's still so present in all the places that we went, but especially here with these people, just holding them and holding their hearts and saying like, it's okay. I have a I have a plan. You just can't see it. So, um, and he taught me to pray, uh, like continuously pray and cling to him, no matter what the circumstances are. Not just for one day or two days. It's always just hold on to him, like that. So this trip was really good. Um, I was really glad I got to go by myself, uh, away from my family. So <laughs> it was really cool. And I'm, yeah. Hey, mom. Uh, so it was really, it was really good, and I really grew on this trip. So here's Robert. <laughs> Woo! That's for Erica, my brother that drove us all week. He was the most energetic person. They, uh, they kind of said he was uh, Tijuana Bobby, so uh, send my love to him. But uh, I wanted to share a couple of things that uh, really stuck out to me. One was the soup kitchen. And then the other was the shower truck. So um, first of all, the soup kitchen a while ago, you all saw the picture of Jesus or like the statue of Jesus. When you go in this soup kitchen, you open the doors, that's the first thing you see. And it's like right in your face. And it was, it was really awesome. But uh, I was thinking as we went in there, um, this, this soup kitchen was kind of probably about the size of the, of the Fellowship Hall over there on the other side or the, what's it called? The Ark. Yeah. And so, but they would run, like he said, Twelve to 1,500 people through this place. And, and these meals that they were, it was not just this little soup. What the, uh, the people from Ankla told us was that this, uh, this meal may be the only meal that they get all day. And so they had rice and beans and carne guisada, I think is the way it says. But, uh, and they would have bread and just all kinds of stuff just to fill these people up. And I was thinking, you know, how awesome that is that this place day in and day out, just feeds people, you know, and we talk about in this church how, you know, we ask these people, hey, come to Christ, you know, listen to Jesus and do all this stuff, but they can't hear Jesus over their grumbling stomachs, and so that was really a blessing to see that, and uh, while some people were doing that, some of us were, were in the back, 
And in the back, they have these uh, nine showers. And so you can imagine you have this, this one, this big open area that has these tables and these chairs, and they're, you know, they're feeding people. And then I don't know how they worked out the logistics of this, but they would have these seven guys sit in these chairs, and then these three girls would sit in these chairs, and they were provided with a towel and then some of our, uh, some soap and some hotel soap and stuff, and, and they would come in there, and then they would get to take turns in these showers. And so you think of these homeless people that don't have running water, that don't have a home, get to take a shower. And uh, it was amazing to see them go into the shower kind of sad and downtrodden and then come out and just kind of be just like, you know, kind of like a puppy after you, you bathe them. You know, they're just, they're just excited. Kind of, it just, just, you see it brighten them up. And so some of us got to, you know, uh, organize the towels and stuff, and some of us got to uh, hand out shirts to these guys. That was something that was really awesome, too is when you came out, they would, you know, me and, me and Adam were there and Toby, and we were, we were all in this, uh, in this little closet, and we were grabbing these button-up shirts and just random stuff that people donate and donate day in and day out. And so I was just really, really just amazed at how much they had to give every day. And they were giving socks to these people and, and razors and deodorant. I mean, it was just, it was really a blessing. And so the takeaway from that for me was, you know, sometimes we're scared to go into neighborhoods, and sometimes we're scared to, to serve. And we think, man, you know, what do I need to do? And it's, it's easy. You know, we just need to get out there, and we need to love people, and we need to give them shirts, and we need to give them food, and we need to, you know, to do that. And so I thought that was, uh, man, such an amazing blessing just to see in, in action. And so I thought that was really cool. And uh, while I was down there, they were, uh, there's a guy named Felipe, Felipe, Felipe. It was a really cool, dude. He's he's the, the Tijuana Bobby. Also, they said that he's he works with his hands a lot, and you saw the pictures of the shower truck up there, and so this dude, like this was something I thought was really awesome about Ankla, is he actually said, "Hey, you know, the the amazing thing about this church is people dream and they do," and I thought that was cool. There was no like restrictions, so this was one of his kind of his brainchild thing was, "Hey, let's let's have this shower that can travel." that can bless people. And so while we were there, uh, they were doing the, uh, the, the carnival and, and stuff. And so while they were doing that, they, they asked me to, to go and help him. And so we helped like figure out some problems that they were having to overcome. And so me and him were bouncing these ideas off each other. And man, it was really awesome because I was like, this guy had this thought, Hey, let's, let's make a shower that we can drive around and bless people with. And, and how easily we take for granted fresh water and soap and things that a lot of people don't have. So for me, that was, was an was a eye-opener. And what that took away from me, what I'm kind of bringing back to here is, you know, I don't know what our future brings. I got a lot of ideas by seeing how talented that guy was building these showers and stuff. And so, you know, maybe we'll have a shower trailer one day to take somewhere in downtown Dallas or something. So something we'd be praying about, but that was kind of what was on my heart. So thank you. I, I honestly, that's not a question I can answer besides, I know that somebody took a big bag of rice while we were there. So I'm glad you asked that, Grandpa. And uh, as Jason and Becky come up, uh, we actually accidentally had more money donated um, because a couple of our members that were intending to go couldn't go. And they said, hey, can we give you that money back? And we said, no, it's y'all's, spend it how you want to spend it. So our extra money that the neighborhood church gave actually purchased 
a week's supply of rice and beans for that soup kitchen. So thank you, church. That's what we do with your money. Sorry, but not sorry. Yes, Mark. <laughs> That's for safety during the beach for the orphan training because we were in the ocean. Q&A, good? Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Grandpa. Here we go. Jason and Becky. You guys like my mid-drift Mexican shirt? Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah. So uh, the, the day that or the time that stuck out to me most was when we visit uh, Zona Norte, the North Zone, which is the, the poorest and most violent area of the city. And um, so when we got there, there's a park, and they want to get all the kids to the park to have a big party. And to do that, we basically created this makeshift parade to go through the streets uh, with, like, balloons were waving and being all crazy and stuff. And then they would go up to houses and ask the people to, like, take their kids to this party. And it's not, like, strange. They do it all the time. So it's not, like, the, this weird thing. But it probably was at first. But, um, but so that was, like, really cool. It's just all these, like, really poor houses and drug houses. And they're just, like, letting the kids go with these people and uh, these crazy people in these blue shirts because they had built up all this trust with them from like going over and over and over. They, they kept saying, we trust the blue shirts yeah. because they, that's what they always would wear is the blue shirts. So was, we trust the blue shirts. Yeah. So we need some blue shirts. So, uh, but so they got all the kids back to the park for this big party uh, where they would teach them and sing and, uh, I don't know what else they did because I wasn't there. Okay. Um, so while they had the party, then Adam and I and Eric went to uh, this drug house. And it's a place that you have to be allowed into. They have to, like, know who you are. Uh, you can't have anything on you. And on our way there, I think you asked, right, it, how, how, do, how were they able to get the invite to come in? And Betsa, who, man, this lady who has just this incredible heart, uh, just knocked on the door over and over and over again until they let her in. And this is the, they call it a dr drug house, but it's really like an alley. When, I, most of my descriptions are Muppet related, so bear with me. But it's kind of like in the Muppet show where you have like people popping out of everywhere, like all these holes, and people would continuously just come out of them. And like I was standing next to a wall, and this guy just starts coming out by my legs. I'm like, what? But we we carried uh, this. We went there to feed them. We carried this big jug of uh, like sweet rice. It's kind of like like oatmeal but rice, and uh, and these guys were so grateful, so thankful. I mean, th you can imagine these are like most of these people are the wor in the worst situation you could think. Health is out the window for these guys. Like just you have people like actively on drugs while you're there. And we are. I think I think we're had this weird combination of very aware but delightfully ignorant about our situation in the moment. And there was these 
couple of ladies that lived there, and one of them said something that was just so providential. That was, uh, that this is the real Tijuana that you're seeing. And it just moved me so much. And I was so thankful that Ankla and Betsa were willing to, to see the real Tijuana and to be present. And like, man, Ankla is just a bunch of ordinary people. They're just straight ordinary. But the reason it's so special is because they decided to stop checking the, you know, oh, we agree in Jesus box. Oh, we need to go to church box and start deciding to take part in the Jesus mission in in kingdom. This is what we talk about when we talk about kingdom. It's this. It's finding the darkness and putting light there, finding where there's no love and putting love there. And, uh, and yeah. Um, just real quick, while uh, the guys went to go do that, we stayed behind. So it was just Jason and Adam and a couple of guys that went. And um, we stayed behind. And actually that picture right there and right here, um, so the kids all got to hear stories and they got to eat food and all this stuff. But the moms of these kids, the ones that came, um, we actually got to kind of pamper them a little bit too. Um, Carla's mom did a Bible study for them. And so they actually got to hear Jesus t- to them. And then we also got to paint their nails and give their hand massages and things. And it was a, it was a really neat time of actual interaction and connection with these people who don't get to have that with a lot of people who actually care about them. Um, these are the wives and mothers of drug dealers and all of these other things and prostitution and all these different things that don't really get to have that physical connection with people in a, in a way that's good for them in a healthy way. Um, so it was really neat for us to get to give that to them and to be that for them. Um, so, I mean, and that was one of my bigger takeaways too, was that, that physical connection with people is huge when you actually touch them and hug them and, want to love on them they're like kind of shocked so it's just really neat as well um so that's it yeah Yeah, just to add to that it's man it's so important the 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 way these people betsa and the rest of them would look at these people they the way they looked at them reminded them of the value they have like it reminded them that they are created in the image of Christ and like it's they they look past what the things we were shocked by and and man that's I I want to look at people like that and stop saying hey we need we need all that away and start saying no we need those people here and then help them push that wrongness away All right. What I'm going to talk about, we have zero pictures of, because this was one of the things where they're like, only carry your ID. Um, And so um, it was the night after we did what Becky and Jason just talked about. We went back to a similar um, part of town, and the, um, the poorest part of town that even their members of their church kind of are scared to go to. Um, Like I said, these are ordinary people. You heard that before. Uh, They struggle. They have the same fears we have. We just didn't really know any better. So, um, and God was great. We prayed that we wouldn't have fear stop us, and he didn't. Um, And 
So we go out. We didn't even wear, if we went to Zona Roja, which is like the prostitution um, red light district, um, we didn't even wear these blue shirts because it would have caused too much um, attention to us. And we really didn't want to get attention from anybody besides people we were talking to. So um, that was one of the rules. Um, Betsa, you heard her name before. Um, she kind of just gave us a lot of rules. And, um, you know, like, you have 20 seconds to talk to a prostitute. And by the way, these prostitutes, and not our whole group didn't do this. Some of them stayed behind and um, gave clothes and soup and whatnot to some homeless people and migrantes, people who had been deported or who were migrants. And so it was only a few of us that really went um, into the red light district. And every 10 feet, there would be another, they called them las muchachas, um, the prostitutes. Um, some of these girls, um, Hannah Vaughn's age. It was really sad, and sorry to call you out like that, Hannah, but I just really want everybody to kind of get it, understand what's kind of at stake there. Um, they have different laws than we do, but underage prostitution is against the law there, but it is not enforced in any way. Um, they told us, you know, you have 20 seconds because, you know, right along the road there is probably their pimp. And if you get too much in their business, they're gonna, you're going to have a problem with their pimp because you're going to, or with the girl themselves because you're getting in the way of them making money. Um, there was a lot of no touching, don't look them in the eye, don't get right in front of them, stand beside them. They knew what they were doing because they had already been doing this for a while. Betsa had been doing this long before um, Ankla was even a church. Um, just because it was on her heart, because this was, in her mind, like the darkest place in Tijuana, and I get that. Um, although I will tell you, I did feel the presence of God there, um, just like shining bright. It's kind of like when you're in a really dark room, and there's just this one little light, um, like from some, um, like a nightlight or something. It just brightens up the whole room. That's how I felt when I was there. Um, Every, this was kind of common amongst all the activities we did. As we, before we actually did anything, they kind of told you what the deal was. We had prepped everything. We had prepped all of these little kits. We had donuts because a lot of these girls might have not have eaten at all. They might have had to earn so much money that night before their pimp would give them money um, to eat. Or they might have had to earn the money, then go to a street vendor to even eat that day. Um, but we go and we pray. We walked along the streets, we looked at different people, we noticed our surroundings, and we prayed for courage for us, um, that the last muchachos, the girls' hearts would be open, um, and I think that's something we just don't do enough of, so um, here. I feel like we're a church that does pray a lot, but you can't pray too much, and so, and I feel like that's kind of what the group got experience in um, when we were there. They just were like, should we pray, shouldn't we pray? Well, then you prayed. Like, um, and maybe you pray in English and in Spanish, or different people pray, or you pray for different things. And so um, I was really nervous that I, not about talking to y'all about this, but that I want to tell you everything. So I'm sorry if I'm speaking over my time. But um, <clears throat> there were definitely hundreds of girls out there. We didn't talk to every one of them. Some of them didn't want to talk to us at all. So you'd kind of just go along just to give you an idea, and you'd be like, hola, como estas? And then you'd kind of strike up a conversation, and so, most of the girls, you'd want to give them a donut, and they'd go, I don't know, I, don't, I can't take that. What do you want from me? How much is it? They're not really used to, even with Uncle going out there, 
um, there's such a high turn turnover of these girls. There's new girls all the time um, that they just don't know what you want. Um, prostitution in and of itself is kind of like we all get it. We all get how sad it is. Um, but uh, the woman that I was kind of paired with, the Spanish-speaking woman, Elisa, she was talking to me and Betsa was talking to me about many of these girls are underage. Many of them are sex trafficked for a long time. They are there against their will. They have children somewhere else. They cannot, they seem free right now on the street, but they cannot just leave because somebody else is watching their child. So they have to do what they have to do for that night. Um, and we're talking maybe 20 customers a night, they said, some, depending. So I don't want to get too graphic here, but I do want you all to get how um, intense this was because it did really change a lot of us, even the people who didn't go. This was, this was the last main activity we did, and it really kind of punched us in the gut afterwards. Um, I think God was faithful to kind of save that punch in the gut until we were done with the actual um, going out. Um, but... That stuff is going on here, too. We just don't see it. Um, they asked us, they're like, do you all have this? We go, we have it behind closed doors. Um, on the beach that you all did see, there were children there that were rescued from sex trafficking. Out on the street in Zona Roja, those people hadn't been rescued yet. Part of what Ankla wanted to do is to, if anybody could be rescued, rescue them. But it's a very tricky situation. Their hands are tied, basically. They can't do a whole lot there. Um, just not for fear of anything, but because someone will come stop you before you even leave. Um, but they do ask them if they're okay. We gave them soap. We gave them donuts, like I said. Um, and we did pray with a few people. I know Lynette's group got to pray with people. You kind of had to ask them if this is okay. Some of the women, while you were talking with them, were constantly looking up, looking around, and particularly at one person, and they would be like, oh, that's probably her pimp because she's, like, really nervous for our, our safety. Um, but some women were quite open. Um, and Elisa, who was with me, um, and by the way, God was so gracious with us speaking Spanish. We all spoke so much more Spanish than we thought we, than we should have been able to speak, which was pretty awesome. Um, even for coming back here, but um, with something like that, it's pretty hard. 20 seconds, you're not really able, I can't use my broken Spanish on this woman, so that's why we all had a Spanish speaker with us, but I could understand what she was saying, and Elisa was just telling these women, you're, you're worth everything. God loves you so much, and um, he, just, he just wants your heart, and um, I hope you know that you're loved. I mean, that's about all you can say. Um, and for some of the women, just the it was so unexpected. I think they I think they were just maybe expecting judgment, um, but what they got was love. And um, and I was just praying for Elisa in that moment because that's all I could do. I had a donate in my hand. Here you go. Um, by the way, uh, just to give you a little bit more background, the way we were paired up was one of us and a Spanish speaking Ankla member. Um, who also spoke English to kind of help tell us what the deal was. And then one of our guys tra trailed behind us about 10 feet. And so Jason, he was, where's Jason at? There you are. He was my backup guy, and so good job. Um, uh, it's, uh, that's what we're talking about. That's how serious it was. Um, so um, just to back up again, just to um, kind of put it, put it all in perspective, that morning – 
I had held a little girl's hand. Her name was Leah, and she was the cutest kid. Y'all know, she was so cute. She was kind of like little Toby because she was just a complete space cadet and just like in her own world. But I grabbed her hand, and we walked in that parade of balloons back to do the little VBS. And, you know, like, her future is pretty bleak. You know, her future with no intervention could be in Zona Roja, probably will be. We weren't that far away. Um, her mother, I did get to meet her mother, likely Zona Roja. Um, and, like, that's just so sad to me. So I think, like, it's almost hopeless, except that it's not, because God has placed these people there. And even with all the bad stuff that was going on, um, there were a lot of things we could do. I couldn't go take a 14-year-old prostitute home with me, all right, even if she wanted to go home with me. I couldn't do that. But we could show those little girls and boys affection and show them how to appropriately have male-female communication amongst each other. We could paint those women's fingernails, give them a massage, give them treatment that I pay a lot of money for. But it was such an honor to do that to someone for free who maybe has never had um, someone show her that kind of honor. Um, those are the things we could do. We had so much freedom in, with that, and we had no freedom in Zona Roja. It was very frustrating, but my biggest takeaway here is here, like now us here, we have so much freedom. We don't have these kinds of restrictions. We have all this time in the world. When you go to The Rock, and you're now I'm kind of preaching for just a couple of minutes, but when you go to The Rock and you're meeting with someone, there's not a 20-second time limit. They're not, there's not some pimp waiting to beat you up if you are talking to this person for too long. There's nothing stopping you from really sharing your heart with someone who seems to be, um, like, wanting that. And you don't know they want it until you put it out there. I think that's one thing we all took away was that sometimes it's good to sit back and let people come to you. But sometimes you just have to go out there and get uncomfortable and awkward and just do it. Um, and so... For me, the whole physical touch thing, I'm not a real touchy-feely person. So I, that was really kind of outside my comfort zone to do that, um, to give those manicures and just hold people's hands and touch them while I was praying for them, a person I'd never met before, um, like in other times, not in Zona Roja. But, like, why wouldn't I do that when I can? And so, um, like, uh, just so that you kind of know more about what we did after that night, because after we walked from Zona Roja back to meet up with the um, people who had been serving the homeless, we were all just kind of like stunned, I think. It was starting to set in. Um, both groups saw a lot of things that maybe they'd never seen before. Um, and Betsa took us in the van and had us um, drive through Zona Roja and look at the girls pray. She talked about how two prostitutes were actually part of their church now. And that's huge. Yeah, we should celebrate that. And there's really no way to quantify how many other prostitutes' lives were changed. Um, and it's not necessarily about knowing that, but about um, they're just going to keep showing up. Like, I have no doubt in my mind that Betsa and some other people, they're just going to keep showing up out there um, because nobody else is going to do it. Nobody else is going to do that. So they did it. And so um, I still have a lot to think about here. Um, 
But one of the things she said is that they have, there's so little they can do there, so they just keep showing up and doing what they can, and then it makes them really show up to the things where they can do, like I said, with the freedom. And so um, I just want to add, like, as, as, as are we as a church really taking advantage of the freedom we have here? And... Um, just in the small ways that we can, but also about going out, being faithful to pray, and also just getting out there and going where people need you the most. Um, so with that, I'll hand it off to Adam. Thank you, Toby. Thank you, Becky and Jason. Thank you, Lynette. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you for uh, others who went but were unable to be here this evening. As we draw to a close... Um, is there something that you heard that inspired you? Is there some invitation you had in your own life of prayer, your own life to move toward those spaces that are outside of your comfort zone? This isn't just about an awesome thing two weeks ago. It's what God can use moving forward. Two days, two weeks, two months, two years from now. God loves to use our experiences, not to waste them, but to feed forward and into others to affect change right here in our real everyday lives with real everyday people. So, as we draw down to a close and we finish our service as we do every week at the table, I want to draw attention to this shirt. Some of you might have pulled out Google Translate, but effectively this church, this church, this shirt says, to serve is who we are. And Ankla's mission statement is to love God, love all, to serve God, and serve all. So before we come to the table, we remember that the last moments Jesus spent with his disciples, the king of the world who was about to be crucified, knelt down, took off his outer robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and knelt down to do the job of a slave, of a servant. And if you've known the story, you knew that one of the disciples, Peter, freaked out. And he said, no way, get away from my stinky feet. Jesus, what are you doing down there? And Jesus said, unless you let me wash your feet, you're not really getting what we're after. And he says, well, if that's the case, then wash every bit of me. And what Jesus did was wash the feet, kneel down and serve a man who would betray him, a man who would deny him, a man who would doubt him, and men that would fail him in immeasurable and innumerable ways for the rest of their life, and Jesus still indiscriminately knelt down and served them. And he looked at Peter in the face, and he said, Go and do likewise. And why we do this is not just to connect with God's people, but to connect with the people that God wants to kneel down and serve, to show them how much he loves them and how valuable they are. And any move toward God becomes a move toward the people that God misses the most and wants back into a relationship with him. And so we come to the table as those who come just like the people we encountered, with need. So I'd like to ask Matt and Tracy to come down and prepare the bread and to prepare the juice.
And we remember that moments after Jesus washed their feet, he broke the bread and he said, this is my body that was broken for you. It was broken for a broken world. And then he lifted up the cup and he said, this is a cup of a new covenant that because of my blood, all people can come into relationship with God. They can be forgiven and welcomed into his loving embrace. And so we at the Neighborhood Church do this every week. And as Jason, my brother, reminded us a couple months ago, it's a meal that doesn't just happen in this moment. It happens outside of time. It's a meal that doesn't just happen with these people. It happens with all God's people. All God's people that were, all God's people that are, and all God's people that will be. So we invite you tonight to a meal outside of time with our brothers and sisters in Ankla, with our brothers and sisters on the streets of Tijuana or Dallas. And we invite you to come.